This is WGRE 91.5 FM, Greencastle, Indiana. Good evening and welcome to Music for Life, music from Nepal. In this episode, voice professor Caroline Smith talks to Dean McCoy about a vocal competition Nepal just finished hosting. Herc Stanton chats with Professor Barbara Paré about an intriguing recital of settings of Emily Dickinson's poetry that she and Tony Weinstein are presenting this week. And Dean McCoy talks with Professor Christina Berger about a special guest this week, beloved New York-based piano pedagogue Seymour Bernstein, with whom we have a special DePaul connection. There are lots of exciting things going on in the DePaul School of Music, and we're glad you could join us for music for life. So this past weekend, we here at DePaul were crazy enough to host the National Association of Teachers of Singing competition, and here to chat with me about it is the head of our vocal area, Caroline Smith. Welcome. Thank you, sir. Nice to be here. So let's clarify this first of all. The National Association of Teachers of Singing is what? It's a national, well, it's actually an international organization that most voice teachers within the scope of colleges, universities, private studios are members of this organization. And one of the components that they do is to have not only state auditions, but regional auditions, and they also have now added national auditions. And it is just a wonderful opportunity for students to prepare Mm -hmm. pieces, be judged by Mm well-respected teachers outside of their own university, get feedback from that. And in the case of what we just had, it was over 300 students from all around Indiana. And so which level was this? This the state, the regional? This is the state. This was the state. This is the state. And of course, in my unbiased opinion, we have the most (laughs) beautiful facility in the state. So everybody wants to do their stuff here. We've done it before here Mm -hmm. two years ago. And it was such a success the last time we did this that we were asked to host again. And it is quite an undertaking, but at the same time, it gives us a chance certainly to showcase Mm -hmm. what we have here. And I don't think people can properly imagine what it's like to have 300 (laughs) singers in a building for a whole day. It's crazy. It is a bit crazy. It's, It's a lot of work. And so for the student, what's life like? They come in, they get a room to warm up for a couple of minutes, and off they go, or what what exactly happens? They can, uh, they are assigned already. They know what time they are to sing. And so they have to check in uh, and register at least an hour before they sing. And then it is up to them to go and find a room Mm -hmm. to warm up and be ready to go at their appointed time. Our students had a little extra duty this year, though, because we (laughs) needed them to actually not only perform as wonderfully as they always do, but also to work for us. So they were room monitors. They were gophers. They were welcoming committees. Mm -hmm. They did a little bit of everything right never ending duty on that day that's very true so after they do the state some are chosen to then go to the next level no it's a little odd meaning that you can compete at the regional level if you haven't competed at state Ah. but the winners and people who placed at the regional level then if they want to be considered for the national round have to actually audition again. They actually submit a video 
of their mm -hmm. performance and then are chosen by a blind panel at the national level. And, and getting into the national level is quite an accomplishment. Yes, and we are very proud that we have had at least five or six, I'm losing count, who have been at the national level. That speaks well for DePauw. And this year, the regionals in Canada, and it's also on our opera weekend. So, so we will probably not be, not be competing there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and our singers are so busy. They're doing so many things. They're going on a concert tour of France. They're, they're producing Little Women with Mark Adamo here. The composer will be here while we do it. They've got the National Association of Teachers singing events. They have so, and then many of them are already sweating their graduate auditions so true. many exciting things going on and i never thought i'd hear myself say this but thank you for bringing us 300 singers to <laughs> fill our building and for coming in to chat about it thank you very much this week one of our depa voice faculty members is presenting a recital professor barbara pare thank you for joining us thank you for having me so what do you have in store for this recital the title of the recital is An Evening with Emily Dickinson. The entire program is based on Emily Dickinson poetry set by three different composers. Richard Hundley, who is still alive, he is a 21st century composer. Aaron Copeland, a very famous song cycle of his called 12 Poems of Emily Dickinson. And then the final song is by Richard Pearson Thomas, who is also still alive, a 21st century composer. The interesting thing about it is I am having Susan Anthony from our communications and theater department portray Emily Dickinson. So in between sets of the recital, she will be reading Emily's poems as well as letters. So it's going to be a very interesting interdisciplinary type of recital. That's what I'm hoping for. Everyone thinks about Emily Dickinson's poetry as very sad and death-oriented, which is somewhat true, but she also has a lot of very happy moments, which you will hear through her poetry and through her letters. I definitely agree. And it'll be interesting to hear those parts come through. Do you have any part of the recital that speaks particularly to you that you are looking forward to conveying to the audience? I've always wanted to perform the Aaron Copeland 12 poems of Emily Dickinson, and there's always a debate as to whether a mezzo-soprano or a soprano should sing them. I'm a soprano, um, but I feel like I've lived a little bit longer than most college students, so I have a different take on a lot of the poetry. Very famous song cycle, very famous 20th century composer. So I am looking forward to singing that. And could you speak a little bit about these different interpretations? Obviously, Dickinson had her own message, and then as new composers bring new things, they're conveying different messages, and then you're interacting with all of these already existing texts and interpretations of the text. Uh, could you speak a little bit on those different interactions? The opening and closing songs are very lyrical and very singable, not that they all aren't, but they're very easy listening, whereas the Copeland is very angular. Interesting point, Copeland dedicated each song to another composer. 
he wasn't trying to imitate their style, but he was dedicating to his friends at the time. And it makes for a very interesting jaunt for the pianist, Tony Weinstein, and for myself. Rhythmically, they're very difficult. Textually, very intense sometimes, particularly the last six, which really do have to deal with death. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a great program, and we're looking forward to hearing it. Could you tell us once again when and where it will be? The program will be Wednesday, November 11th in Thompson Recital Hall at 7.30. And we're looking forward to hearing it. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you again for having me. From their recital of October 27, 2015, the DePaul Faculty Woodwind Ensemble, flutist Ann Reynolds, oboist Leonid Sirotkin, clarinetist Randy Solomon, bassoonist Kara Stoli, and horn professor Robert Danforth, performed the three movements of Gunther Schuller's Suite, Prelude, Blues, and Toccata.
Hi, I'm Joe Flummerfeld, and you're listening to Music for Life. Hello, music lovers, and welcome to the events calendar for the week of Monday, November 9th. On Monday, November 9th, the Jazz Combo will be performing in Indianapolis, so make sure to wish them good luck this weekend before they head out. At 7.30 on Monday, November 9th, in Thompson Recital Hall, the Faculty Select Series concert will be bringing in Leslie Tung on Forte Piano. Wednesday, November 11th, make sure you get to Art Music at Almost Home at 6 o'clock p.m. to support your favorite DePaul music students. at 7.30 on Wednesday, November 11th, another Faculty Select Series concert will be held, and this one will feature Barbara Paré and Tony Weinstein, and they will be performing songs based on the poems of Emily Dickinson, and that's sure to be a really beautiful concert. On Sunday, November 15th, at 1 o'clock p.m. in Thompson Recital Hall, Eleanor Price on flute and Zach Jacobs on percussion will be giving a junior degree recital. And at 7.30 on Sunday, November 15th in Thompson, a Faculty Select Series concert featuring Timothy McAllister on saxophone. 
This has been the events calendar for the week of Monday, November 9th. Thank you very much and have a great week. This week we have an upcoming junior recital from two School of Music students, Eleanor Price and Zach Jacobs. They're both in the studio with us today. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Burke. Nice Hi, to talk to you. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about this recital. Well, it's our junior recital, and we're both really excited. Since I'm going abroad next semester, I had to do it this semester, and I asked Zach to join me. So we're both pretty excited. Um, I'm a music performance major, so it's for my degree. I just joined because I was really excited to play music with Eleanor. And I think it kind of sparked after we wanted to do some new music together and decided we would do a junior recital together instead. And it's kind of grown from there. So. Mm-hmm. And now, if I'm not mistaken, we have both flute and percussion mm-hmm. for this recital. So that's a unique pairing. You guys have fun with that, uh, thinking about what pieces go where. A lot. It's been a lot of work, for sure, because it's a lot of contemporary stuff that's kind of difficult to put together. So until we had coachings with our professors, it was like kind of just swimming dark. It was really that's hard. That's true. <laughs> but um, it's been a lot of fun. And actually, there's a surprising amount of literature for flute and percussion. Yeah, especially... Uh, one of the most notable instruments for percussion to play with in a duo was actually flute in the last century, which was really surprising to me when I was looking into it. And we found quite a few pieces to choose from, and we found a couple that we really loved. So, Which ones stick out? Any notable composers or pieces that you have really enjoyed? We're playing a piece called Ilta by David Mackey, and it's actually a lot of like strange metal instruments that Zach can talk about, and then um, flute and alto flute, and I get to play the gongs, too. Actually, we changed it to the omglocken. They're like kind of cowbell-shaped things. It's really cool. Yeah, he kind of wrote for these different sounds. He wrote for tie gongs, um, but we couldn't find the right pitches for the ones that we had, so we pitched them up an octave for the omglocken but it still has this nice uh, resonant sound. We have crotales in the piece, uh, the glockenspiel, the vibraphone, and we're supposed to call for three copper pipes, but we had a little bit of freedom with that, and we chose a pot lid, uh, another metal pipe, and a dobachi, which is a prayer bowl. But all of them are resonant sounds, so it's it adds to it, and it's it's really fun. It's really an interesting like timbral mix with the flute as well, because like, the crotales are very kind of got a strident sound and then the upper register of the flute matches that well so it's just been a lot of fun to play with color there it sounds like it's going to be a really interesting piece Mm -hmm. Um, now i know we have a lot going on in the percussion studio are these things that we're finding in the school of music are you going out and looking for anything like as well like found materials actually all of the things that i've used are things that i found in the studio okay aside from two or three pot lids that I own myself um, that I found, but most, all the stuff has just been, I've been able to find. It took a little bit of digging, but it was, we were able to find it because somebody's used it for something else, usually found sound piece. And so it's it's been really helpful having that collection. Speaking of found sounds, though, I know Zach has a cool piece called King of Denmark you might want to discuss. <laughs> What's the story uh, behind that piece? So the King of Denmark was written in 65 by uh, Morton Feldman, and it's a graphic score. He uh, The story is that he, he wrote it in a day, and the idea is you play with only your hand or your your forearm and nothing else. And it's all, all of the dynamics are mezzo piano to pianissimo, so it's very quiet, but uh, it's just a graph of three 
three lines and it's about 45 blocks in length and there are nine of them and you interpret the different symbols he gives you a notation guide at the beginning but from there it's kind of you get to choose what sound you want so it's been a really fun time figuring out what sounds to incorporate into that and what would be the best decision at the best time what would be a little more climactic at certain points i'm playing this on recital hour next week um, as sort of a preview so it'll be really fun and what instruments are being used in this piece? Okay, this is uh, this is mostly a found sound kind of thing. The only thing that's required is you have to have a vibraphone, either a katale, glockenspiel, bar, or just some high-pitched uh, metal at G-sharp above the staff. And then the rest of the sounds, I think, you, oh, you have to have a timpani and triangles. But I'm using two dobachi, three pot lids, four tie gongs, four toms, the bongos, log drum, bass drum, a chime, a set of chromatic bells that are suspended, five omglock and this strange triangle spiral thing that uh, we have no clue what it's called, but it has a really neat sound. Actually, a railroad spike, and if I'm forgetting anything, it's they're in there. <laughs> there are about 20 to 30 sounds. Come in there. to see it and we'll... Yeah. It's such a pleasure to watch. It's really cool. And then there's like so many interesting tiny little sounds. So I really enjoy listening to it. So Great. get excited. Yeah. Well, the School of Music students will get a little preview this Wednesday. But speaking of previews, is there anything else that you two would like to share to get people to come and uh, um, why they should come and hear this exciting recital? You're doing a fun piece with Josh, aren't you? I am. I'm doing a piece called Bulgarian Dances with another flutist here, Josh Levine. And it's in very strange meters, and it's based off Bulgarian folk songs, and so it's got a lot of character for sure. When we first learned it, it was hard to put together because of the interesting meter changes, but once it gets going, it has a really cool flow to it. And then um, my other solo pieces are actually all French music. Since I'm going to France, I thought that would be appropriate. So um, I'm doing a set of Baroque variations, but I'm doing them on different flutes. So you'll get to see the bass flute and the piccolo and then the normal flute as well. So I guess if you want to see a family of flutes, come on out. It certainly sounds like there are going to be a lot of instruments there. Yes. Like, the staging is going to be a fun thing. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us when and where this recital is so all our listeners can go? It's on Sunday, November 15th at 1 o'clock in Thompson Recital Hall. Great. And thank you very much for coming to the studio and talking about it today. Thank you. Thank you. Last week, we had the incredible opportunity to see the film Seymour Bernstein, an introduction. But more than that, we got to meet Seymour Bernstein. This opportunity came about because Seymour is the teacher of one of our trustees, who happens to be a Pulitzer Prize winning writer, Jim B. Stewart. Jim and I got into a conversation about this, and we thought, wouldn't it be great to bring him to campus and to bring this film to campus? So I was trying to find someone who had actually seen the film. It turns out that our very own Christina Berger got to see it before it came to DePaul. So in Champaign-Urbana, mm -hmm. you got to see this film. Tell me about that. I did at Ebert Fest. I and all my good neighbors and companions in that theater wept through the whole film. He's an amazing man, and he represents some amazing truths and values that it's good for us to keep at the forefront of our attention. And I think we were so relieved to just be surrounded by that for two hours that we just wept. And for Ethan Hawke, of all people, to decide to do this film, you know, this sure. produced by Ethan Hawke, that's sure. pretty amazing. So was it what you expected? 
Did you go in with expectations? Um, no, I, not in particular. You know, I used to be a pianist, and so the subject matter just interested me. Um, the subject is so much larger than pianism per se, mm-hmm. but it's it's really about what is required for art to happen mm-hmm. and what is the value of it in our lives. And for me, a part of my weeping was that it was a picture-perfect retro glimpse into the teaching that I had as a young person Mm -hmm. that I think is difficult for young people today to access who don't have the experience of what it does to you to have that or why it's so valuable. Yeah, that's my question about it is, have we lost it? You know, are we looking at something that will no longer exist? Right. I've given a lot of thought to this. And um, of course, one of the biggest things we mean when we say that something has been done with artistry is that someone or some ones spent a great deal of sustained attention, curious attention, disciplined work, uh, learning to control the finest nuances of expression mm-hmm. with the goal of making something pleasingly beautiful or movingly beautiful, not because they would get paid X number of more dollars <laughs> if they touched that eighth note just that way. Right. And... Um, you know, our economy crowds out the space for that kind of attention. Mm-hmm. And the pace of our lives increasingly, um, everything we do is rationalized and counted and weighed and measured and monetized. But this experience, that of which Seymour is one beautiful example, this is about the part of ourselves that cannot be counted or rationalized. And mm-hmm. it cannot be bought or sold. Or quantified. Quantified. And the, and the rewards are so deep and so mm-hmm. great. But... They don't come fast. Mm -hmm. They don't come without that sustained, disciplined, curious attentiveness. I was reading a fascinating article in an Australian monthly about the future of classical music based upon our ability to pay attention. You know, attention must be paid. But this is really hard to do in today's time. And what Seymour brings to me is this focus, this laser-like and I don't want to say laborious because it seems effortless, but it's incredibly efforted. Oh, yes. Where it's this focus on the finest nuance of yes. artistry and a willingness to commit totally yes. to it. Yes. And that's hard to generate today. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are surprised to find out that, you know, when we grew up, there was no such thing as a remote control, or if there was, it had a handle to it. And why would you want one anyway? Because it's only three channels, uh, <laughs> you know, or that you could listen to music at any moment, or that you could have popcorn in 90 seconds, or any of these things that are, you know, and they seem like such great advances, but we've paid a very dear price for that advance. We have. And I think the discerning observer of this movie, or of Seymour's teaching, or of any artist of that depth and accomplishment, the challenge is for us to notice that the effects of this dedication don't reside only in what is created. They actually connect us to our humanity in Mm -hmm. a way that no other experience in our lives does, and can, if we are attentive to it, connect us better to the humanity of other people Mm -hmm. so that we all are in daily regular contact with that in us that cannot be bought and cannot be sold and when i forget whether it matters that i'm a musician (laughs) i try to remember those things and i think oh you know maybe i'm just helping to keep us one minute longer from all going over that precipice right and you know the thing i as i watched this i was so taken by the brevity of our time Mm. and Seymour will leave us someday and we will have, we will no longer have Seymour, but now we have this film and that's what, you know, I felt this profound gratitude to Ethan Hawke because you're going to help 
us keep this alive. That's right. I lost a teacher just like Seymour about the mm-hmm. month that I watched this movie. Oh, ooh, and you know, how many times in my life did I say, I wish the whole world could watch what this woman is doing with right. us here, right. you know, but right. Ethan Hawke didn't know her, so she didn't get a film. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we're glad Seymour did. And we are so grateful that Seymour had students and they are carrying this forward. Absolutely. Generation by generation. Yeah. Thanks for coming in to chat about it. My pleasure. From their concert of October 14th, 2015, the DePaul Chamber Players, May Pong Piano, Tarn Travers Violin, and Eric Edberg Cello, present Maurice Ravel's A Minor Piano Trio. Thank you. 
We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Music for Life. We love hearing from listeners. You can contact us by emailing musicforlife at depaw.edu. We're also on Facebook at DePaul Music for Life, and you can subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching there for DePaul Music for Life. Our student producers are Hannah Gauthier, Burke Stanton, and Matt Skiba. Veronica Pedrel is our online editor, and our show is produced by Matthew Champagne in the Judson and Joyce Green Center for the Performing Arts at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana. I'm Mark McCoy, Dean of the School of Music. Thank you for listening to our show. Keep music in your life and have a great week.
Music for Life.